Welcome to What Do You Think? I'm Al. And I'm C. And we are joined once again by a second time uh, guest, uh, M. Say hi, M. Hi, M. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's like that, is it? Okay. So, Got it. so on, <laughs> I, on I learned M- from I learned from Jay. Uh, okay 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 oh he'll love that uh so just earned uh, a new friend fortunately or unfortunately depends how you see it uh, m's first episode with us was for a very off-kilter movie called may december uh so we had to bring him back for a movie that is quite possibly the aesthetic and emotional opposite of may december in every way I'm so sorry, because what's funny, too, is originally we promised him Maestro, and then we we're like, never mind, you're doing May-December. <laughs> but, but yes, what's what was the I'd polar- still be down to do Maestro, because that movie was a lot better than I thought it would be. But, well, this, but this <laughs> is Which not is about also me. true for Wonka. Yes. Oh, well, there you go. There, there you are, go. We are, we're reviewing Paul King's prequel to Willy Wonka and the Chocolate... Willy the, Wonka and that? the Chocolate Factories. What was that, Al? I was about to say Willy Wonka's Charlie, but I need to say <laughs> Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory, the prequel, the prequel of that film that came out in 1971, uh, directed by Paul King, most famously known as the director of Paddington 1 and 2, starring the one and only uh, Mudaib himself. Timothy Chalamet as Timoth- Willy Wonka. Please, Timoth- well, please Tim- never Tim- Willy say Wonka. Willy Wonka's. Ch- please never say Willy Wonka's Charlie again. <laughs> I won't. I won't. The the one and only Timothy Chocolate. Uh, I Choco- okay. Chocolate. Okay. Here here's the crazy thing. Here's the crazy thing. I was able to say Muadib correctly from Dune, <laughs> but I could say I could say Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. Yeah. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Anyways. I'm so sorry. Anyways. Anyway. Anyway. Um. All right, so uh, the original film starred Gene Wilder, and uh, like I said, was released. The Gene Wilder. Let's the be clear. Gene Wilder. That's true. Yeah. Directed by Mel Stewart, and uh, the screenplay was written by original author of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Roald Dahl. It's one of the few screenplays he wrote. It's I think the only screenplay he wrote for a book adaptation of of his. And uh, when it's the film... only it's the only adaptation of his he likes too. Well, yeah, he wrote it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Um, but no, because famously, there's other adaptations of his books that he hates. So the the film had a budget of three million. Um, I don't know how much three million is with inflation now because this is 1971 numbers. Uh, only made four million in the box office, and the film you know wasn't really a success. Uh, it didn't really blow up at the box office. I mean, it didn't hurt Gene Wilder's career. Uh, but uh, Mel Stewart really didn't do much after this. Uh, the film was so forgotten because this was originally produced by Paramount that Paramount sold uh, the movie and the movie rights to Warner Brothers. Uh, and Warner Brothers did something very, very smart. They started showing this on basic cable. And eventually, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory became not arguably Gene Wilder's most beloved film he's in but it's just become a very very popular film amongst boomers and gen xers and millennials uh it's a beloved movie now um in fact uh, in 2014 it was selected by the national film registry of the library of congress or to be put in the national film industry for being culturally historically or aesthetically significant so the film's appraise critical appraisal has risen 
it's risen to such a point that uh, Warner Brothers, when they realized, oh shit, we have the rights to this, remade the film or readapted Charlie and the Chocolate Factory uh, with uh, with Tim Burton directing. And obviously, if Tim Burton's directing, Johnny Depp's going to play Willy Wonka. Uh, and uh, Helen Bonham Carter's in it too, so it's Christopher Lee. I actually saw that movie in theaters uh, when it was first released. It was the second so movie. So did I. I. It was the second movie I ever saw in theaters. Oh, wow. Yep. Wait, what? Yep, second movie I ever th- saw in theaters. The first film I ever saw in theaters was uh, Monsters, Inc. You got it. And... Uh, sorry. No, you tell us. Sorry. <laughs> so the first movie I ever saw in theaters was Monsters, Inc. And then a big gap of not watching anything in theaters. And I really wanted to see Revenge of the Sith. But I had to sit through Charlie and the Chocolate Factory before I could see Revenge of the Sith. I'm still a little salty about that. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I saw Charlie and Chocolate Factory in theaters. Then I snuck in to see Revenge of the Sith. Uh, although they, they kicked me out, uh, right before, right, right after Darth Vader was like birthed, uh, where he go- literally the scene where he goes like, and Padme, she's safe. They were like, Hey, you got to leave. You didn't pay for a ticket. I was like, Oh, sorry. I didn't know I had to do that. Uh, <laughs> okay. Let's so, so, do a movie hopping at a young age. So, so, listen, 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 listen. I, I own up that I technically broke the rule, but hey, they didn't ban me from it. Uh, no. They said, just don't do that again. And I was like, I, I don't know better. And since then, I've always paid for a ticket of any screening I've ever gone to. Of but course, anyway, anyway, how about you guys? It, how, it, it's okay. I've committed, I've committed more <laughs> crimes of movie hopping than they can even list. <laughs> so Fun. you guys... Uh, M, you're our guest. Your experience with the 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 roll doll, like either roll doll in general, or Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory in particular, or just you know. Yeah, yeah, chocolate. sure, sure. Uh, oh, M, you said M, Jesus. Yeah, I said M, not C. My God. <laughs> M, please. So, so, I actually have kind of opposite experiences with roll doll and. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. So, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, the original Gene Wilder film basically played in repeat in my house growing up like like it was one of the go-to movies that my mom would put on when she wanted to keep us and kids occupied which when you're a mother of five kids you gotta have something up your sleeve to do that but that was that was my, one of my mom's go-to movies to just keep kids busy um not sure how effective it was with some of the younger kids who can't handle slower-paced movies, comparatively, or at least compared to what Disney was putting out in the 90s, but sure. Great movie. I personally love it. However, on the opposite spectrum, I am overall not a huge fan of Roald Dahl as a writer, and that really? seems like a huge wow. and that seems like a huge oxymoron. I'm like, I never got into Matilda, and that was another movie that was on repeat in my household. But I am I, so glad you're our guest for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like I loved Willy Wonka, but I hated Matilda. I hated oh James god. and the Giant Peach. Oh my god! Wait, no, 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 hold, 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 hold. Wait, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Even um, as a kid. You're not allowed, you need to take that back. You're not allowed to feel that way. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if you knew that, M, but that's, it's actually illegal to have that opinion. I don't know if you're aware of this. Did, 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 you, at least like, did you at least like the witches? Which one? The one directed by Nicholas the, Roeg. Yeah. 
The one from the 80s. With, uh, with what's her name? Angelica? Or, or... Angelica Houston? Yeah. That one's fine. I might appreciate that one more now because I've also seen the one directed by Robert Zemeckis. Why would you do that, that to was... yourself, man? What? No, Why yes. would you do that? It was, um, we were um, in the middle of a pandemic and I had already completed Netflix. So you decided to be feel worse? <laughs> Shit. I mean, all right. Well, I'm depressed. Yeah. And we, we were just, all depressed I, at that we, time. No, not, not depressed like that, that you that there are some films you don't like, Em. I'm just depressed that you made yourself watch that movie. Even like I saw the trailer and I was like, Robert Zemeckis has lost his way. <laughs> we were all depressed at that time. It's not like watch it's not like watching Robert Zemeckis and Anne Hathaway's The Witches was gonna make things any worse. <laughs> <sighs> okay, so okay, no, um, go on, please, go on. Go what about on what your... about the BFG? What do you think about that? Oh man, no, I no, no, watched wait, wait. that movie I, I... with I oh. watched that movie with my entire family in theaters. I'm not gonna go into what I thought of it because I think what my dad had to say about it is infinitely more entertaining. <laughs> he. Oh. He almost made that the second movie in his life that he actually walked out on. He almost walked out. Wow. The only movie he had ever done that with beforehand, and he and I will disagree on this until the day I bury him, <laughs> was Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Oh, well, your dad's wrong about that. Any negative... He is. He is, he is wrong about He is wrong about that. But I can't say... I can't honestly say that I that I'm that far off in disagreement with B with BFG. I didn't hate it, but even even Steven Spielberg couldn't get me in, couldn't get me thoroughly engaged with a Roald Dahl movie. So that's so, kind of where I'm at with so, Willy Wonka and Roald Dahl. Like so your Gene M, Wilder movie is a classic. So M, I I have to ask because uh, folks, for those that aren't aware. Wonka's actually the beginning of it. Oh, I cringe to say this, but it's true. You can look it up. Uh, Warner Brothers has basically made a deal with the Doll Estate, and they've bought the rights to all of his uh, stuff. Uh, so they're going to try to make a shared universe of Roald Doll movies. Are they about to what? Go, are they I'm not. I'm a, not bullshitting. Are they going to do an Avengers? <sighs> I'm not shit? bullshitting you. I'm not bull. I wish I was. I'm not. I am not. <laughs> I am not. No. So, so Wonka's so, their Batman? Is that what you're telling no, me? No, Wonka's their Iron Man. Oh fuck. Uh, All right. So so <laughs> I, I'm jump. I'm jumping ship on this cinematic universe before it gets started. Okay. I'm jumping ship right now. So so couple things though. Couple things. Okay. Just just to give you guys a little bit of faith in humanity. This is exclusively a David Zaslov thing. Okay. Uh, he bought all the rights with the intention of creating a shared cinematic universe with all the Roald Dahl properties. But Paul King, the director, has explicitly stated that as far as he's concerned, Wonka was its own thing. That he he really liked the script he wrote and he wanted to direct it. So take it as you will. If Zaslav fulfills his promise or his threat... Man, M, I don't, I don't, I don't know what you're, I don't know what you're gonna do. Where you're, where you hear like, oh, from, oh, now you've seen Wonka. Now watch uh, our interpretation of BFG again, or here's our new witches, or here's our new uh, 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 James and the Giant Peach, or here's our new this or that. So yes, I don't know witches, how you're gonna bitches. survive. But, uh, but uh, I, 
Oh, I, I, I'm gonna get tortured for this, and I know it, and I know the torture is coming. Well, and there's literally nothing I can do to escape that. We'll get into why later. Okay. But okay. Uh, see, but, how about but you guys are gonna feel real bad for me. Okay. Uh, see, your your yeah. exposure to. Uh, Roald Dahl in general, uh, sure. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, or the book Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah, you you, sure, you sure. share your thoughts. So, Roald Dahl was uh, on a on a Rolodex of many uh, childhood favorites of mine, as far as the books are concerned. Um, I listened to the book on tape of Willy of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory numerous times. Just so, so many times, over and over again. When I was really little, my mom actually read to me the original BFG, which I also loved. Um, when I, let's see, Witches, I read in grade school at one point, once. Uh, it actually took me a very long time to see the movie. But also in grade school, uh, one, one time for our class, something happened. And they sat us down and they played us uh, the original James and the Giant Peach, which when watching it, I did not know it was a Roald Dahl story. I learned that a few years later. But the giant storm in the beginning absolutely was pants-shittingly scary to me at the time. But as a little kid. But I absolutely love that movie. It is so... The, the stop motion in that movie is... Fantastic, and I thought it's also such an incredibly funny and fun movie overall. So, and just my love of Roald Dahl really built built off of that. But my, I'm saying all of this because the first Roald Dahl based movie for me probably was, in fact, I, I know was James and the Giant Peach, and I didn't even know it was Roald Dahl. It wasn't until I saw uh, Tim Burton's. Um, uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory that I started to connect who uh, who the writer of all this was and that it was all here and I didn't see the Gene Wilder Charlie and the Chocolate Factory um, until or Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory until much later I was on a trip or something and it was playing on cable like you said it was playing on cable and I watched it on there and I thought it was fine I actually didn't have a huge opinion of it that I thought it was fun. Maybe because I was a little older and I was an angsty teen by the time I was watching it. So I didn't really have a huge opinion of it. So I don't have a huge, there isn't a place in my heart for that movie, but there is a place in my heart for James and the Giant Peach and the stories that Roald Dahl has told. So I have a slightly different approach than from what I imagine a lot of people had, but I still love the the work of Roald Dahl all the same. Uh, yeah, I, I, for me, it's the, it's the, BFG, uh, J James and the Giant Peach, and uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Those are my three favorite stories of his. Witches is very good, but I had a much later introduction to it. Okay. But, yeah. There's a movie uh, I that... I do want to add real quickly that there actually is one other Roald Dahl movie yeah, that yeah, I do yeah. like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, that's I, Fantastic I know. Mr. Yep, Fox. Yep, exactly. Yes, you're right. Sorry, you're yeah. right. So I was going to ask, like, because no one had mentioned Fantastic Mr. Fox. I was like, uh, so does anyone here like Like, I have a problem with Wes Anderson myself, but, like, that's a whole – that would be a whole episode in and of itself. But you both like Fantastic Mr. Fox. So, yes, Fantastic Mr. Yes. Fox is actually – 
Sorry, I I blanked out that that's a roll doll story. Um, that also I read in middle school, and wow, you just opened up a core memory a bit. That's an amazing story, and that is possibly roll dolls. You know what it is? For whatever reason, when the best way to do a roll doll story is through stop motion, apparently, because both James and the Giant Peach and Fantastic Mr. Fox are incredible. And stop motion may be the only way you can do his fun stories. I don't know. No, you okay. need to get Wes Anderson to do stop motion for Roald Dahl. I guess so. That's yeah. the key because one of those movies is clearly better than the other. Oh, let's not let's let's not do. Oh, that. don't put Wes Anderson against um, against uh, uh, Tom or what was it? Tom Tom the guy who did Coraline. Henry Selleck. Don't put yeah. Wes Anderson against Henry Selleck. That's that's not fair. Yeah. Yeah. They they Coraline was great. Uh, I would. He, he did. Uh, he did Nightmare the Nightmare for Christmas. For Christmas, yeah. yeah, yeah. But anyway, um, one one little thing I want to add, uh, myself personally is that, uh, like, uh, like M. I, I don't know M. Did did you guys own uh Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory like on videotape or DVD or did you guys just watch it when it was on TV? We owned it on VHS. Okay, so uh. Just quickly, it was my, very readily available to us. My my first roll doll was probably the witches, and then followed closely with uh, James and the Giant Peach. I actually didn't see Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory until probably maybe a couple years after I had already seen the Tim Burton version, um, and I I liked it. I was like, oh, this is really weird and interesting. It's kind of cool. Uh, but I, I never. I've actually read. The novel Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Uh, I read that, I believe, in elementary school. Uh, but uh, I, I kind of wanted to go kind of a different direction. That since I really had no close association with Roald Dahl, I can say that my association with this film is more like what made me want to watch this. It wasn't because it was Roald Dahl. Definitely wasn't because it was Timothy Chalamet. It was because it was directed by Paul King. So... Uh, M, have you ever seen uh, uh, the Nick Cage movie, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent? Yes, Al. I we did see we that movie. No, no, no. I asked M if he saw it. Uh, sorry. What is... Uh, <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm losing my mind. I need to go on. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay, see. You are not losing your mind. I may not be a doctor, but I can very certifiably say that you have not gone clinically insane. Yay. So, so have you seen it? Yes. Then? Okay. Yes, you know I that, have. You know the Paddington 2 scene in that movie, right? Yes. I I was like, okay, nothing is that good. That must be like a, a big joke. So Paddington eventually ended up on streaming uh, this past month, like the, the end of the last year. I was like, let me give it a watch because I was curious. Is that an actual thing that Paddington and Paddington 2 are like great movies? Let me just explain something to you guys. I saw Paddington. I was like, this is one of the best children's movies I've ever seen. I saw Paddington 2. I was sobbing so hard at the end. <laughs> I was sobbing so hard. My partner had to like console me. She's like, it's going to be okay. I was like, this is just so beautiful. And it has bears. These are the most beautiful <laughs> bears, heartwarming bears I've ever seen. Oh, my God. This, bl this blew uh, the Christopher Robin movie out of the water. Oh, my God. I love this. And I was telling people. In fact, I was telling C that C. The Paddington movies are some of the best children's movies ever made. Oh, my God. And, and like, again, I had no interest in Wonka whatsoever. 
I was just told like the Paddington guy is directing Wonka, and I was like, oh, I don't really care. Never seen Paddington. Don't really care to. And then when after I'd seen Paddington too, I was like, well, I'm gonna see everything this guy makes because those movies were amazing. I don't know. Has anyone here seen Paddington or Paddington Two? I have seen both, and Paddington Two is far better than the first one. I do really like the first Paddington movie, but Paddington Two really is on another level. Like, right? That one, yes, absolutely oh is one of the best children's films ever made. I was, I was like just blown away. Like, okay. Paul King is the director of, of Paddington 1, Paddington 2, and Wonka. He started his career writing for basically sketch British TV, like like sketch, sketch shows in Britain. That's what he started his career. Somehow or another, he got chosen to write and direct Paddington, and it turned out that this man quite possibly could be a genius. And uh, right now, uh, you know, he's not doing Paddington 3 because he had to do Wonka, uh, but, oh. but but he's slated to do it for the record. no no he's not doing he's not doing Paddington no 3. he's not the oh, he's the, not? the, the co writer of Paddington two is doing is gonna direct Paddington three I think it'll still be good but probably won't reach the heights of Paddington two anyway my point is when I realized oh Paul King's directing Wonka well now I have to see it because this man's a genius and uh, just just a little funny story so you both know Tom Holland and Timothy Chalamet right yes mm-hmm. Famously, they've competed for every role involving a boyish young man. From ever since 2015, 14 with Spider-Man. They've they they've always been like the last two. And this is hilarious. The two finalists for the roles of Willy Wonka and Wonka were Timothy Chalamet and uh and uh Tom Holland. Timothy Chalamet got the role. Paul King was also is also going to do a Fred Astaire biopic. And he had Timothy Chalamet and, and Tom Holland audition and they were the last two finalists for that one. But that one he gave to Tom Holland. That's so, so funny. So Paul King is in this situation where he's had Tom Holland and Timothy Chalamet as finalists in his projects and he chose one and then the next one he chose the other. It's hilarious. I love it. Like it, 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 the, the meme the memes just write themselves. I don't know, just a little funny little thing I wanted to add. But anyway. Considering what I assume everyone here thought about Wonka, including myself, does it, doesn't it feel like the Fred Astaire biopic might have been a consolation prize? For Tom Holland? Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the weird thing is is that I'm, I think the Fred Astaire biopic is a Paul King... Uh, 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 passion project. Like, passion project, I think. I think okay. you, usually biopics are used not always, but usually they are. Cause yeah. it's like the director has wants to do a movie about someone that they the, find. The, incredible. the story I heard was, and what Paul King pretty much said, there's an interview out there where they talk about like, how is it that you, these guys are always up for roles? Like they were up for the roles of Spider-Man. They were up for the roles in Dune. How is it that you had them in two different projects going against each other? He goes like, Honestly, the decision was very easy. I was like, oh, Timothy Chalamet sings better. Oh, Tom Holland dances better. <laughs> you kind of need the better dancer if you're going to play Fred Astaire. <laughs> this is true. You do need, you that, do need yep, the better that dancer. That is very true. Yeah. So, but, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see. It's just, it's just fascinating to me that he's been in, he, he's been in that situation twice against these guys who are like, it's, it's gotten to a point that it's a joke. Like even uh, Zendaya jokes about it. She, she jokes like, she jokes about that. It's always like, 
oh, uh, what role are you up for? The same role as Tim? He probably told you too. She's always like, she always goes like, oh, you guys are up for the same roles. It's so funny. There's a but movie there. Hasn't she been a love interest to both of them? Yep. Yeah, I mean, she's like, like Timothy. Timothy says that Tom Holland wins because he's dating Zendaya in real life, mm-hmm. whereas he he's only her love interest in Dune. But mm-hmm. anyway, enough. And let, let's talk more about Timothy Chalamet in the context of Wonka. How's about we watch the trailer for Wonka and then we start giving our thoughts? Hell yeah, let's do it. I've spent the past seven years traveling the world perfecting my craft. You see, I'm something of a magician, inventor, and chocolate maker. So quiet up and listen down. Nope, scratch that. Reverse it. Mr. Wonka, I can say you're a man of great ingenuity. What are you doing? I'm making chocolate, of course. How do you like it? Dark, white, nutty, absolutely insane. Many people have come here to sell chocolate. They've all been crushed by the chocolate cartel. You can't get a shop without selling chocolate. And you can't sell chocolate without a shop. No daydreaming. What are we gonna do, Willie? Huh. Huh? Huh. A double huh. Get the pencil and paper. Uh-huh. I got an idea. I know things haven't been easy for you. They're gonna get better. You promise? I pinky promise. That's the most solemn vow there is. Where do we start? A good chocolate chip is simple. Where is this? It's just weird. What's happening? Oh, that's a chocolate that makes it fly. Well, let's find out, shall we? Who's for a hover job? <laughs> Nothing to see here. Just a small group of people defying the laws of gravity. Ladies and gentlemen of the gallery gourmet, my name is Willy Wonka. He's good. Too good. Pretty sure I've gained about 150 pounds in the last two weeks. You could change her life, Mr. Walker. Change all their lives. Run away! Every good thing in this world started with a dream. So you hold on to yours. Here we go, Mama. Mark my words! This is gonna be the greatest chocolate shop the world has ever seen! You're the funny little man who's been following me. I will have you know that I am a perfectly respectable size for an Oompa Loompa. An Oompa what now? Allow me to refresh your memory. Oh, I don't think I want to hear that. Too late. I've started dancing now. Once we've started, we can't stop. So, one, one, one thing I want to add before we give our review is that I totally forgot David Heyman produced this. And I think it needs to be said that David Heyman, he also produced, like it, like the trailer said, Harry Potter, and he produced the two Paddington movies. He also produced uh, Gravity. He really is one of, like, the like just on a quality level, the best producers in Hollywood. Quite quality, honestly. yes. Quality, yes. He's, oh, yeah. He's produced the most quality back-to-back, which is pretty incredible. Like, I think I heard that, like, David Zaslav was begging him to take over DC movies, and he was like, nah, I'd rather do, like, my own thing. But nah, I'll... I'd rather have my dignity. Yeah, because you, you know what he hasn't produced? He hasn't produced the Fantastic Beast movies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, Jesus. That, sorry. I, I wasn't making a joke. He, no, he lit- but it's fun. It's fucking hilarious. 
They made clear. Good for him. They, they made clear good, to say for Harry Potter and not the Wizarding World or whatever they're calling it now. No, he, <laughs> he, he, he said, oh, it's not my deal. I'm going to make my own. He, he made a, I think his films are called Heyday Films or Hey Films, something like that. And yeah, he, he started with like, he's like, no, I really like producing Gravity. I, I'd like to just kind of produce projects as, as they come. I mean, obviously Paddington and Paddington Two were one of them, and now it's uh, it was Wonka. Um, but one, so one, one final thing before we open up our thoughts: the trailer doesn't say it, and there's kind of been this trend of this happening with trailers, where a movie will be a musical, a full-on musical, <laughs> and no one will know, and no one will know. Like that the trailer happened. makes no attempt to tell you, like, oh, this is a musical. Wonka's done it. Right now, like. All mean the girls are, is doing it. Mean Mean Girls is doing it. Um, what's the third film that's also doing it? Uh, uh, oh God, there's an, there's another musical. It film. wasn't it wasn't Color Purple because no, that color... one was pretty strongly oh, oh, okay. made as a musical. No, no. So the trailer, the trailer now doesn't have any musical numbers in it for the Color Purple. But at the very least, it, it does. does say it does. It yeah, does. it does. For the color purple, yeah. There's, there's a bit where she starts singing. Um, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, but but it, but the trailer does have like in words like from the musical. Yes, yes, yeah. it mm-hmm. does. But it like like a lot of the smaller like teasers on TV, they they'll never have like them breaking out the dawn. But but out of the three, I would totally agree that like like out of the three, it's Mean Girls and Wonka that are like we're not musicals. What are you talking about? But yeah. Yeah, yeah, so... Even though they're totally musicals. Yeah, they're totally musicals. Um, Okay, so, Wonka, M, the floor is yours. What were your thoughts? I thought Wonka was the greatest movie ever made, and there was absolutely nothing wrong with it at all, and I am totally not being held under duress in saying that. (laughs) Oh, well, there's no duress. Okay, okay, full this. Full disclosure. Al, Full get disclosure. the knife away. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> not from you. No. Not from, not from you. No. Okay. So, okay. So, I saw Wonka on a date with 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 a girl who loves 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 musicals, and I like musicals too. But we have actually seen all three of those movies together. We saw Wonka together. We saw Color Purple together, and just. Two nights ago, we saw Mean Girls together. So clearly, there's a lot of musical love with with this girl that I'm seeing right now. Uh, but yes, I did like Wonka. That is an honest opinion. I just don't like like I totally 100% buy Timothy Chalamet as Gene Wilder. That's not even me being sarcastic. Like I buy him as a young Gene Wilder. I think he's just that good an actor. Like, he got the hairstyle right. He got all the little movements right. Like, I can totally see, yeah, this would have been how Gene Wilder's Willy Wonka moved or walked or danced or whatever when he was more physically in his prime as opposed to when he's clearly a little older in the 1970 movie. But also, it's just charming to look at. It is... Like, it is just candy-colored everywhere, which makes sense. It's a movie about candy, but it also knows when to, like, when to have the sets be a little, look a little darker in color. Or, like, a lot of the stuff in the zoo, while 
while it was darker in color, it was still visually appealing. And I think that's something that a lot of big blockbusters are missing. They think dark just has to be dreary and ugly to look at. But no, darker atmospheres can still be visually appealing. And I think Paul King, with his incredible team of set and costume designers, they really nailed that balance of making everything just look visually appealing without making it feel dark and dreary in the darker scenes or too overstuffed in the lighter scenes. So I'm, pro I'm probably going on a really long tangent right now, so I'm going to stop right there. But yeah, I, really, I actually really enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. See, what were your thoughts? So this movie, how do I put this? I was, I held no hope originally for this movie when the trailers came out. I thought, <clears throat> I, in the trailer that I saw, I thought it looked kind of silly. I actually, from the trailer, let me say that again, I thought from the trailer that Timothy Chalamet's performance seemed kind of um, erratic and a little much. And I just didn't think it was a right fit for this. I also kind of thought, no one's asking for a Willy Wonka prequel. Like, why do we need this? And I genuinely had no intention of seeing it. And then our good friend Jay said, it's the greatest thing ever made. Or didn't say that, but he basically, he, the equivalent of saying that. And then other people started reaching out to me. And started I mean, telling I, me, I told you that, like, yeah, the director, he, you should give it a shot just because the director has made really good movies. Yes, you did. Sorry, yes. You, you did say, listen, this is the director of Paddington 1 and 2. You need to give it a chance. And again, I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And then finally, after everyone's telling me that this is the greatest thing since Nutella chocolate dip sliced bread, I'm like, all right, I'll go see it. I sit down. I'm like, all right, let's 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 do this. I just don't see how this can be good. And I was green with envy with how good this fucking movie was. I was confused with how much I was loving it. And then I just gave up and it was like, all right, this movie's fantastic. Let's, let, let's go with it. Um, so that was sort of my experience with it. It was like, I sat down ready to hate it. And then I had to, like, in the middle of the first act, be like, okay, stop trying to find reasons to not like this and just fucking enjoy it. And then, oh, my God, this movie is literally magical in, in, in certain ways. I I was kind of right there with C. When the first trailer came out, before I really knew of Paul King, I was like, this looks horrible. This looks really bad. This look like, no, like earlier than that, when the first image of, of Timothy Chalamet came out with him dressed up, I was like, why did, wh what is this? This looks like edgy, edgy hipster Willy Wonka. This, this is horrible. Oh my God. This looks so bad. Okay. And when the trailers came out, that kind of reaffirmed it. And then when I heard it was a musical, I was like, Man, the songs must suck if if they're not even like showcasing the musical numbers in the trailer. Like, what's going on? Later on, I learned that marketing does that intentionally because I, apparently, if you make a trailer for a musical, no one's going to want to watch the musical. I don't, I don't know. I, I'm not a marketing expert, so who knows what's going on there? La La, La Land proved that wrong, but okay. Anyways. Um. Anyway, 
once I saw Paddington 1 and 2, and I think Paddington 2 is one of the greatest children's movies <clears> ever made, I was like, well, I have to watch this. Because this looks horrible, but the name, I, I just see it with so much quality. What I, I, I got I to gotta give it a watch. Um, so on Christmas, uh, <laughs> on Christmas, uh, the men yes, in my Al. family were like, we don't want to watch Wonka. And I was like, well, what do you guys want to watch? We want to watch The Iron Claw. Okay, we'll watch that. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and all the women oh, went no. to see Wonka. And all the women went to see Wonka. Mm-hmm. I'll tell the story of The Iron Claw during The Iron Claw review. Yeah, but let me just say that when the women came out, we're like, oh, Wonka was a lot of fun. We really love Why are you all three of you crying so hard? Wonka, <laughs> go see Wonka. <laughs> so, so. <clears throat> yeah. You know, after I got over my intense depression, I was like, I I need to see something to cheer my soul. And I was like, Paul King, my soul is yours. Fix it. (laughs) Fix it after what I just experienced. My my soul is yours. And you know what? You know what? He succeeded. Hmm. I, Wonka was, like, it's not as good as Paddington 2. I'll just say that. It's not. But... What Wonka does, it, it has such a whimsical, sincere whimsical nature to it. And Timothy Chalamet never goes overtly saccharine, but he never goes like, he never becomes like dour. He's always, he's the perfect balance of a, of a Wonka who's optimistic, but not an idiot. I mean, not to spoil anything, there is some flaw he has. But he knows he's he's smart enough to not be a victim, but he's not so cynical that you're like, well, this, can this I isn't... can I add something that he brought? Are you sure about that? No, no. Hear me out. He brought something very interesting that I didn't think ever would be done. He brought a Bugs Bunny quality to it that yeah. really really worked. Yeah. Where you think he's. It's not that he's dumb, it's that he's taking things in. And while he's taking things in, he can't, he has to just take everything in, good or bad. Yeah. It's very interesting the way he broached it. Yeah. So, so really and truly, the, the, oh, one, one other thing I wanted to add. The other, the, the other thing that I was kind of worried about the film was that, I mean, in the, you hear it in the trailer, pure imagination. I was like, okay, if this is a musical, they're just going to find 101 ways to replay pure imagination. And just right off the bat, the film does not do that. The film actually tries to like hang itself on its own songs, its own original music. And listen, this this does not reach the heights of La La Land or even uh, The Greatest Showman, where... You hear the music and you're like, "Oh, that's catchy." Like, I mean, these these songs are catchy, but but I don't know if you guys remember that when La La Land and Greatest Showman came out in 2016 and 2017, respectively, those songs were playing on the radio. Those songs were very. I remember that. Those songs were very popular. Wonka does not have a song that's going to be playing on the radio. It just doesn't. The closest you get is the world of our own, but it's it's a great song, but it's not like particularly catchy. It's just a great song. Yeah. But did you know what? That's okay. That's okay. Because, yeah, these songs don't reach those heights, but they're damn good. And they keep your attention. And they're and they're executed masterfully. And Paul King, like, I, I'm excited for his Fred Astaire uh, biopic because he knows how to capture dance. He really, really does. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know where that ability came from because up until now, he's just been, like, shooting a CGI bear. But he's got it. 
Um, and, uh, and, you know, the entire supporting cast is so good. Calla Lane as Noodle. Like, you ever, you ever watch a movie and you see the tag-along precocious kid and you're like, you're going to be the weakest link. I already know. Mm-hmm. And Noodle yep. and, and Noodle ended up being such a well-fleshed-out character who was a child but wasn't an annoying child, which is always the risk, where, where she, she acts like a kid. But she acts like a like a reasonable kid, which is so rare. Mm-hmm. Uh, which because for some reason in Hollywood movies they're always like, well, the kids just got to be obnoxious because or yeah. idiot or both or both. And she's not that at all. And like if I'm gonna see Cal- if I see Cal Lane's name in a movie, I'm gonna be excited because she's got talent. She's got mm-hmm. a lot of talent. And then um, just to say, Olivia Coleman and Patterson Joseph as Miss Scrubbit and Slugworth <laughs> respectively oh as God. as as the villains. They're really like, especially Slugworth. He's just a horrible corporate villain. You're just like, you're just an ugly, ugly human being. And Olivia Coleman as Miss Scrubbit and Tom Davis as Bleacher. They're like side villains, but but they have their own thing going on, which works really, really well. No, th- this movie's great. I I gotta say, like, it's not in my top five, but as things play out, I think it's gonna be in my top ten. And that's very rare for me when it comes to musicals because I know this is going to be controversial. La La Land was nowhere near my top 10 of that year because I was like, it's fine, but I'm not a big fan of musicals. Um, I don't know. What, what, so I've talked a lot about like Timothy Chalamet and see, you've mentioned kind of the Bugs Volley quality. And was there anything in Timothy Chalamet's performance that you would like to point out? Well, I already pointed out how well, how well the character moves. And yeah. again, that is owed to Timothy Chalamet. Um, one other thing I wanted to bring up at some point here is that is that another big reason why maybe you, I, and so many other people were so vitriolic against the idea of a Willy Wonka prequel is because, fun fact, it was announced by Warners two months after Gene Wilder died. So That's as right. you can imagine, mm. yeah, as you can imagine, nobody liked that idea. They all thought it was going to be sacrilegious. And not, yeah, not just to Roald Dahl, but to Gene Wilder, who was effectively the face of Willy Wonka. And I think, and yeah, I think this is a good point to bring that up because Timothy Chalamet does do a great job at capturing the spirit of Gene Wilder. Mm-hmm. Or like, you can tell, you can tell the. You can tell he's not trying to be carbon copy Gene Wilder. He's trying to be Gene Wilder, but with a bit more energy, you know, before all the cynicism kicked in, before he became more deadpan in his humor. This is, like, maybe this is the guy Gene Wilder used to be. He, like, I could see him doing something like the producers. Mm. Mm. Oh, I can see be, that. He'd be great in the producers. He would be. That would be... Oh, I just had a this is not, This is not a license for Hollywood to remake the producers. No, though. it's not. This we is don't not a, Holly- already, this is already not a license. It. They've done it too many times already. Yeah. Yeah, this is not a license to give us a producer's prequel. Well, just stop. Stop. Yeah, no more. No more. Stop. One, one little thing I wanted to add that I really appreciate about this movie, and I think Paul King is very, very... He's one of the few makers who gets this, that there is nothing better than shooting on an actual location or an actual set. 
Like, this movie has CGI. I mean, Hugh Grant's Oompa Loompa character is a CGI creation. A lot of the animals in the zoo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what? They shot on location in Europe in some sort of European town for the setting of this movie. Like, those are real buildings. That's, no, yeah, that's, that, 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 that's a famous... The building in, where all the chocolate shops are, that's a very famous place in Paris. I think it's Paris. I could be wrong. But that's a very famous thing there. Yeah, they they like in like the like once they finally get a chocolate shop, the chocolate shop is an actual tangible set, you know, things like this that I'm like, I'm like, it's you might think like, oh, they shot on location. Oh, that's like, why is that like, like so mind blowing? Because a lot of blockbusters now. They just shoot in front of a volume set or in, or just in front of a green screen set and everything is just CGI'd in. Like a lot, like one of the things people shed on the prequels, the Star Wars prequels, that they're like, it's like all the CGI sets like is unnecessary. But now in Hollywood, every set is almost a CGI set. It's, it's, it's really yeah, annoying. They've just gotten better at it, but that doesn't mean they need to do it for everything. Now, a good practical set goes a long way, not just in making, not just in helping the audience believe that everything's tangible, but it also does affect the performance too. Yeah. And, and the, like the performances of the actors. The fact of the matter is, is that a lot of the sets take place in, uh, in England, like a lot, they go to like these medieval towns in England or, or that center in Paris and they shoot there and you know what? They, they choreograph there. They have their, their, their dance sequences there and it's real. It's real. Yeah. The, the, the the sky might be CGI'd, might be touched up, but the fact that there's tangible sets, tangible locations, just gave the film more weight to it. Like that chocolate shop reveal was so well done because it the majority of it is like like on like actual tangible set dressing. That that whole sequence was one of my favorites because I'm like it's real. Like Timothy Chalamet is going down a slide. Like they're they're eating these like cotton candy bushes. It's all real, and I really, really appreciate that because it just makes – I know this may sound weird. It just gives the film a more – like it, it makes the it, film – It gives it texture. It gives it texture, and it doesn't feel dated. Does that feel – Does that is that a weird thing to say? I no, don't know. Not at all. I um, have to add, there are two movies – I've got to give the director credit here. There are two movies that I think he knowingly pulled from as visual inspiration that really helped me realize that this was an that the director was trying to take an authentic approach. Because there are two movies where I'm like, oh my god, he took things from there and he took the right things from these. Number one is a little more obvious to any cinephile, in my opinion. This there are a lot of very interesting reflections to an American in Paris in this done very well a lot mm -hmm. of the really gorgeous dance sequences or a lot of the beautiful verbaceous colorful palettes that sort of appear um the way actually timothy chalamet dances is reminiscent to the final the famous final number of an american in paris which is arguably considered to be one of the best uh final numbers in any musicals musical movies really stunning work it's also where like yeah, anyways, it's stunning. But the other movie that this that that there's a lot of visual inspiration from, and I would actually say in general, just the direct this director's work in certain fun ways. This movie has inspiration from Amelie, which really 
shocked me. Like, a, specifically, whenever he's reflecting on his time with his mother on that boat, I'm like, oh my god, he's giving this Amelie French-Parisian vibe that works so well. But even in the scene where they're in the... Basically, to put a long story short, Willy Wonka sort of gets tricked into being forced to work for... Um, to work work in this horrible place but you're, you're at one point there's this moment where he's talking to all the people working there and they're sort of yelling at each other out the window outside and exchanging little messages with each other and that is literally there is a sequence very similar into this uh to, similar to not amelie but a movie called mick max which was made by the same director where it's they're all like engaging with each other in this weird wacky neighborhood and a pull from two very contradictory types, but meld them so beautifully together, shows the wonderful authenticity that the director brought to it. Much like in the same way he used real practical sets or shot on location for as much as he feasibly could. So I just, I was so, the moment I picked up on that, I was like, oh, this, this is, this is something special. And I'm so happy that, 2023 overall and I'll get to them this more in my in our top 10 episode wasn't the best year for movies there's various reasons for that but thank you so much 2023 for giving us a really good kids movies kids movie because we need actually more than one two really good kids movies because you need good kids movies in order to get good movies in the future so thank you and I'd just keep going. But yeah, I had to make that point here. No, totally. I think I oh, think that ahead, feeds then. into oh, sorry. I think that feeds into another thing I wanted to say. The choice of your director is crucial to the kind of movie that you're going to get because that really is going to trickle down not to get not to side with Reganomics, but getting a great director really does trickle down in just the style of the movie that you're going to get. Paul King's directing style clearly worked for Wonka because he he thrives in those bright colored environments, just like the director of Amelie and uh, what what was the other one? An American Micmax. Oh, Micmax is the same. Uh, sorry, yes, Micmax, same director, and I yeah. highly recommend it. Yeah, it's yeah, it works for that style. I can't imagine Paul King. I can't imagine Paul King ever directing something like an alien movie, which unfortunately the director of Amelie did. Yes. <laughs> Take a guess as this to which one he directed. The bad one. Well, now that's no longer that's no longer uh, specific <laughs> anymore. But yeah, yeah. It it was it was Resurrection, the, the comedy. <laughs> mm. Like it it makes sense that style didn't work for Alien. But it works great for Amelie. I'm sure it works great for Micmacs. And it's the same thing here. Paul King's style works great for movies like Paddington or Wonka. And I'm curious to see what he does with Fred Astaire, how that style manifests into that kind of biopic. You know what it is? It's that Paul King can make... Paul King makes very like sincere and optimistic children's movies. And, and, and here's the weird thing. He's British. British Brits are cynical assholes. But somehow Jesus. or another of the three films yep. of the three films he's made, they're they're optimistic. They're sincere. 
and they're 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 the definition of always look on the bright side of life and and the the thing is is that like it's interesting i don't feel like an, an american could have made paddington paddington 2 or wonka because americans have to be you know there's always a cynical edge to an american you know even there, there there's an edge not cynical there's an edge to americans like Pixar movies, even their most bubbly ones always have an edge to them, right? Mm. And I, I'm trying to think of an American filmmaker who is able to be just so bubbly like Paul King and not in a saccharine, disgusting way where you're like, it's fake. This isn't real. This is, this is bubble gum. But in a way where you're like, you watch this, like you could watch something like The Iron Claw and then be like, I can't take this anymore. And you walk into Wonka and you're like, Oh my God, I feel so much better. Thank you, Wonka. Uh, by the way, folks, that is my, that is my prescription. If you watch the iron claw, go watch Wonka immediately. Like, like tell the movie theater, I'll, I'll pay you later. I just need to go see this right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave it at it, that. I'll leave it at that. It, um, it, it's true. Sometimes one, Sometimes one movie can cure the depression or assholery you feel from watching another one. I remember watching Smurfs 2, which I don't know why I did that to myself. And, and just to cure myself of, of that vitriol, I went ahead and watched Fruitvale Station immediately after. Now, I don't know what that says about me. But yeah, what does what that say? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very confused. <laughs> although, Wait, although, although, I would, I will, I will assassinate whoever, whatever world leader I need to assassinate to get Paul King to make a Smurfs movie, because he'll do it right. He'll do it better than whatever, whatever that shit was. But Fruitvale Station was a much better movie. I'll say yes, that. Yes, yes, that is a much. Better I'll, I'll say that it. Had. It it got it helped me get over how bad of a movie Smurfs Two was. I I, I gotta say it again. I can't think of an American filmmaker who can do what Paul King does, or at least not, do it not without being fake. You're right. I think yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good I'd one. be hard pressed to find a British filmmaker who can do that too. Like I can't imagine Ridley Scott or oh. Christopher Nolan no. directing a Willy no. Wonka movie. No. No. Please, no. No. Because, God, because, no. because here's the thing, like. You do have silly British filmmakers, but they're being silly to show like how stupid humanity can be. You know, there is sorry, there Oh, never mind. Paul okay. King makes his makes makes has silly moments in his movies, but those silly movies aren't to like make a point about like look how stupid people are. They're usually be like, Isn't life great that you can you can afford to be silly sometimes? I, I really don't know anyone who makes it. Like I, I put it to put it to you this way. After I had seen so so see, I'm not gonna spoil Paddington two for you, mm -hmm. but there there's something you should know about it is that the end credits have a musical sequence. Okay. It's silly, it's really silly, but it redeems a character. It, it I know this sounds really crazy that uh, end credit sequence that's kind of like a joke redeems a character in a way that's narratively fulfilling. Okay. But it does. Like, at the end of Paddington 2, when I was watching, I was like, oh, yeah, he's going to rock at Wonka if this is what he does. Mm -hmm. But it's silly, but you never felt like, oh, this is making fun of a character. It was actually done to, like, redeem a character in a way that was narratively consistent with the rest of the movie. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, like, who else can use silliness like this in a way where people don't roll their eyes? It's, 
Paul King is really one in a million right now. And even Steven Spielberg couldn't do that. Yeah. You're that, right. And he, and he tried. No, Steven Spielberg. Steven Spielberg, he, he can do sincerity, but he can never he can never be saccharine. When he's like at his worst, when he tries to be saccharine, like in something like Wings. Is that what it was called? Wings? No. I, I think you're thinking about 1941. Ooh, we saw that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I I try to forget that I saw that. We that was like our that was like the worst one. That was the one we agreed was like the worst one out of all those like failures of like the new Hollywood auteurs, right? See? Yes, that was. It was. It was. Yeah, pretty much. We agreed that one was really bad. It was that one and New York, New York. But then we're like, yeah, but the third act of New York. New York Actually, that's the... what's funny. There's a big final dance sequence in that, or not dance, singing sequence in that too. Anyways, I'm sorry. Em, um, if you ever are morbidly curious to watch New York, New York, just watch the third act. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've already seen New York, New York. Oh, in so you, full. you so you so know, you know I what am we're aware. talking about. Yes. I, I know I know exactly what you're talking about. It's awkward and painful for like an hour and fifty minutes, and then at the end you're like, what the fuck? Like Because we were like, hard. how is this a musical? And then it's like, oh, that's why it's a musical. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, but um, no, uh, kind of going back to Paul King, uh, I'm excited for what this guy does. He's now one of those filmmakers that I'm really, really excited about when he releases new stuff. Uh, like, and I know that again, I just really got formally introduced to him a month ago, but that's, that's just the case. My only quibble with Wonka, my only real quibble with Wonka is just that uh, Keegan Michael Key's character, eventually the joke becomes obvious but it's never like like I personally was never offended by the joke. I, I heard some people were like, "Oh, that kind of might be a little offensive." I was never offended by the joke. It just became obvious where you're like, "Oh, I know where this is going." Okay, but it you know how like a joke can be repetitive, but at the very least, there's so many stuff happening between the jokes or mm -hmm. each instance of the joke mm -hmm. that you can forgive it. That's how I felt about yeah. Keegan Michael Key's character, where I was like, "Yeah, it's repetitive." But they're not doing it like every five minutes. It was, but they got a great actor to do it. That's the thing. They yeah. got like if anyone's gonna pull off that repetition, it was Keegan Michael Key. Yeah, I totally agree with I. That that was kind of my only real quibble. Um, and you know, I I just gotta say, so Hugh Grant has experienced what a lot of people who do like vis visual effects heavy work experiences when when they're like a CGI character is that it sucks. You wear the ping pong suit. Normally, especially if you're playing a character that's a totally different size as everyone else, you're going to be in a different, you're just going to be like in a studio lot, just kind of talking to no one. And he talked about how like, that was probably one of the worst acting experiences of my life. It would, I, I never want to do that ever again. And you know what? With all that considered, he was still very good as an Oompa Loompa. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just a credit to the fact that Hugh Grant is actually a very, very, very talented actor. Mm -hmm. He really is. Like, there's a reason why people fell in love with him with, uh, with uh, four, four Weddings and a Funeral and a Notting Hill. And, you know, actors like him, Andy Serkis. I mean, Andy Serkis is the goat of, be, of doing CGI like that. Or, mm -hmm. like... Ian McKellen, like when he had to do the Hobbit movies and he was acting with with uh, with tennis balls and it, it literally broke him like mm -hmm. that shit's hard. 
and and he was mm-hmm. fully like upfront with that. Like in in the in the in the uh, in the press in the press tour, he was like, "That sucked. That sucked." And I thought, "This is not acting. I, I I'm not doing a good job." And then you watch the movie, and you're like, "Holy shit, Hugh Grant! You get some of the biggest laughs in the movie, and your character's really well done, and your participation in the climax is is very very good." So I just wanted to get give, give him a shout out because. That type of performance is not easy. Um, I'm just an aside. When when uh, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes comes out, and oh you boy. realize that there's actually a lot more actors who can pull this shit off, those are the actors you need to look out for. Because if they can do that with just wearing a ping pong outfit, you you got yourself a quality performer. But uh, do you guys have any closing thoughts before we give our our, our ratings? $500 million says that Hugh Grant will absolutely come back and do this again if they make a sequel to Wonka. Oh, I agree. I, yeah. I agree. I, I, you got to remember, Hugh Grant's British, like super British. He complains all the time. He complains all the time. But like he also said that working with Paul King is one of the biggest joys of his life and that Paul King gave him his mm-hmm. favorite role of all time, which was being the villain in Paddington 2, which, see, you really should watch Paddington 2. I know. 2. I know. I do. You really should. Uh, see, do, you have do any... it, C. Do it. I'll yeah, do it do right it. now. <laughs> Goodbye. No, no, no. No, do you have any? Uh, <laughs> do you have any? No, no, uh... no, you're you're gonna watch Paddington two right now, and we're gonna watch well, first, it with you well, first, while we're finishing this podcast. Well, I gotta watch Paddington before I can watch Paddington two. It's worth so. it. It's worth it. It really is. Right. But do you have any other thoughts, C? Other than my my rating, I'm I'm all good. Okay, uh, M, give us your rating. Give it to us. It would. it it was totally the foxiest fox of all time except it's only the second foxiest fox of all time next to the girl i saw it with Ah, (laughs) to the lady to the lady listening to this episode now we're gonna have to i got you i got you i got you all right to whoever was listening to the fu- to the lady that's listening to that, M's a keeper, I guess. <laughs> um, um, okay, full full ser- full serious is like, is like, okay, what? Okay, what what was the what was the score that you gave something higher than it's a movie, or what were the flush. two scores higher than flush it's a movie? Flush and, and fucks. Fucks, yeah. Okay, this is a flush then. Okay. Okay. Th- this is a flush. Okay. Mm-hmm. See. This is a chocolate dipped flush in the sense that Go! Oh, ah, damn it. This happens way too often. This no no no. This happens this way too often, M, where I I think of a clever rating to give and C just says it. This well, you keep letting me go first. So there's that. That, like like I don't know. This has happened five times now? Yeah. Yeah. Oh only or, five. Only no, but it's enough. It's it's no, five, no, it's frustrating. Was I was like, him. I was like, this is a chocolate dip flush, and then, I, and then I'm like, I just hear it out of C's mouth, and I'm like, <laughs> this is. At some point, I feel like I feel like C has maybe a radio or something where I record where he's like, oh, I'm gonna steal that from Al. I, I you don't know. It's it's frustrating, but anyway, anyway, I'm glad so, you like it. See, I'm glad you like the movie. So, <laughs> but for the record, it's not just an analogy, or it's not just me saying chocolate for the movie. Genuinely, you know, when you dip something in chocolate, it tastes even better. Well, any dessert, it's dipped in chocolate, it's delicious. But that be 
It's not. It's it's better than a flush. It's a flush dipped in chocolate. What do you fucking want me to say? I couldn't give it a fucks because I don't know. It wasn't the greatest thing I've seen all year. So there. Okay. I I am a Paul King believer. I, I think I've said that many times in this podcast. Yes. Uh, I I'm just stalling because I'm trying to think of a new <laughs> a new label no, no, to we'll, give my rating. We'll, we'll wait. We'll wait. Uh, we'll wait. This is. You know what this is? This is a Hershey a, Fox. No, this is a a pure imaginative flush. Mm. Ah, ah, I was mm, able to think ah. something up. Yeah. Uh, no, I really, really like this movie, and I really, really am happy I saw this when I did because I needed something like this. For those that have seen the Iron Claw, you know what I'm talking about. We'll get to that. We'll yeah, get we'll to get that. to that. Um. No. You two have fun with that one. No, no there's no fun to be had. <laughs> there is no fun to be had. Uh, no, you know, what's, you know what's ironic, though? One of the actors from the Iron Claw kind of looks like Gene Wilder. So no, no. Okay, crazy story. He talked about how he... I did agent, see that. No, his agent. His agent. Because we're talking about Jeremy Allen White. His agent yeah. basically said, because he's in a TV show called The Bear that's blowing up, and he's, winning a, he's probably going to win another Emmy. His agent basically said, hey, they're doing a prequel for uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory or Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And do, and and Jeremy, you look you look like a young uh, Gene Wilder. The producers have asked if you're willing to do a tape. And Jeremy Allen goes like, I can't sing. <laughs> he goes like, I can't sing. <laughs> I can't sing. No, no, no. It, he, you know, by, by the time this episode hits Spotify, we'll already know whether or not Jeremy Allen White won the Emmy. Um, uh, yeah. oh, 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 give me, give me some credit. Give me some credit. But, uh, but no, no like the he, Emmys air tomorrow night as we're recording this. The Emmys? Are yeah. they really? Yeah. Oh, fuck. You're right. Aren't the Emmys in September? The, the last year's Emmys got delayed because of the strikes. Oh, oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, actually, you might be right. <laughs> I like how you were like, oh, come on. It's not going to be till September. And you're like, no, no, they're tomorrow night. I didn't think they were tomorrow night either. I thought they oh were like. God. I thought oh, they my God. I thought they were later well, this month. Well, anyway, so so his agent says like, hey, they really, because, you know, you kind of look like Gene Wilder. Do you want to put in your tape? And he's like, I, I can't sing. I've never sang, sang before. So that that's a little funny story. So it's really funny that you guys mentioned that. Um, but because he, he said this while doing press for the Iron Claw. Uh, but no, kind of talking about singing and dancing, Timothy Chalamet is a great showman. He really is. Um, I really, really liked his performance, but I really liked the performance of, uh, of Kaala Lane. I really, really liked her as Noodle. She's so good. She's so she's, she's just she's just that perfect mix of like child wonder and like and just like and like dramatic chops. Really, really good. Uh, I I know this sounds weird, but the fact that they shot this on location or on actual set—it doesn't sound weird at all. It's like I, when things are shot on real film, you, it's better. Yeah, it's just better. It just really is. And Paul King just knows. Paul King, he's gonna be that filmmaker that we're gonna be like, oh, this guy changed changed the game. Because I I really do feel like. While Paddington 2 is one of the best children's movies of all time, I feel like he's got something in, inside of him. So He's going to show us something that's going to really, really blow everyone away. I'm, I'm really excited for what he's, what he's going to be doing in the future. He's, he's an exciting talent. He really, really is. And, um, you know, kind of earlier, kind of tying this back to earlier in the podcast, 
if Warner Brothers Discovery decides to really follow through with this shared cinematic universe thing, I really, really hope David Heyman at least has some creative control so that it doesn't become a shit show. Because Wonka succeeding the way it does, I think really owes itself to like what's been mentioned before, to hiring of the right filmmakers. I just don't want Zaslav being like, okay, I'm giving this to a TV director now and he, he's got to make a... He's going to make a, a an eyesore of a fantastic Mr. Fox movie. I hear the well, guy that made Dumbledore's Secrets is looking for work. <laughs> Whatever the fucking movie was called. I, I think I think he I think he's the same guy who directed the last two Harry Potter he movies. Di- he directed a movie that's on Netflix called Pain Hustlers. It's not bad. Oh. It's or, not bad. Um, you know what? Toby yeah, Ho- Toby yeah, that's not could... the movie that Emily Blunt's getting awards attention for. Remember this that. This is true. Toby Hooper's looking for a job, I think. Let's see how that goes. But Tom Hooper. Toby Tom... Hooper's dead. Oh, you're fucked. Tom, <laughs> Toby Tom. Hooper's Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Tom Hooper is the King's Speech. Yes, that's who I met. Tom Hooper. Let's, no, let's Tom... get some. Let's get some cats. Horrible CGI. No, no, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Tom Hooper. Tom Hooper is way too addicted to wide-angle lenses. I, I would not be like. Yeah. I, I'm sorry, Em. Like. I had a problem with poor things because of fisheye and wide angle lens. I just have a problem with wide angle lenses in general. And I'm sick and tired of Tom Hooper being like, it's got to have a wide angle lens. Cause that's what Stanley Kubrick did. Uh, like, you no. know, it worked for it. It worked for a couple movies, but the jig gets old after a while, but that was the, that was far, 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 far from the worst of the problems with cats. <laughs> oh, Oh no, you're totally right. You're totally right. Yeah. If, if uh, if they tell me like, hey, you want to know those Warner Brothers Roald Dahl movies? Tom Hooper's making one of them. I'm gonna be like, well, that's gonna suck, because because I think I was one of the few people who, after I saw Les Mis, I was like, that was not that good. That, that, no, you weren't. You were not one of the few. Plenty of people had issue. Yeah, but it was one yeah, of those. Plenty of people had. Plenty of people had that opinion, but I don't think any like opinions of that movie were so varied. That nobody could ever say they were one of the few people who thought anything about it. That's true. That's very, very true. Well, That's all right. True. All right. This has been a review of Wonka. Please go see it. Uh, this has been What Do You Think? I'm Al. And I'm C. And I'm M. Thank you so much for coming, M. We really appreciate having you on our podcast. Yes. Of course, thank you for having me. I'd love to do this again sometime. No problem. We'll definitely make it happen. All right. Good night, everyone.